0: You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast hosted by me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today we have Rebecca Horton on as our guest. She is an entrepreneur-turn entrepreneur turned intrapreneur and futurist who is passionate about creating a world where people feel less like strangers. She leads design strategy with Lenovo's commercial Internet of Things business, a new venture with Lenovo poised to help industries power their own intelligent transformations. Rebecca works with with companies to help them become more human-centered and purpose-driven. Prior clients had included Deloitte's GovLab, Cisco Systems, Red Hat, MIT, and Bloomberg Philanthropies. She has also worked with Lowe's Home Improvement to launch the Upskill Project. With a deep passion for learning through experimentation and collaboration, she drives results by helping others catch the vision of what a better future might hold. She currently enjoys conversations about digital transformation's next frontier and what the store of the future will need to be to be successful. Rebecca, thanks so much for being with us.
1: You're welcome. I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm very excited about this conversation. So much of where you live and what you're excited about and what you're passionate about aligns with me. So I know we're going to have a great (laughs) conversation. Um, But before we dive into that, can you tell our audience a little bit more about Lenovo's commercial Internet of Things business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am part of a team within Lenovo that is really an internal startup within Lenovo focused on commercial Internet of Things. And Internet of Things is, it can be kind of a loaded term. And what we do is we make it easier for businesses to leverage the power of IoT um, without getting kind of hooked into the, the jargon of what, IoT is about, it's less the hype and more the reality of the power that can come through leveraging IoT solutions. And then my role with our team is I'm our design strategy leader. What that means is that many days, my role looks like helping our team get out there and really understand the businesses that we're trying to serve through our solutions. So I mentioned we're a commercial IoT teams. That means that we're actually working B2B rather than B2C. And a lot of the IoT that you see out there today is B2C. We're actually trying to bring the best of what you do with, for example, smart home solutions to stores and make the store experience better. Um, So I get to help with that all day, every day and make that more human centered. And then in addition, help our team drive through experimentation.
0: Well that's a lot but it's exciting. I think that um you're in a really interesting place with all of that going on and I love that you say that you talk about being human centered because there's and we could probably debate about this for the whole episode but there's a lot of you know is it data driven or is it human driven and how do the two live together you know so I think that that's an interesting juxtaposition um because you can't leave, leave lose the human side of it it's so important. Um, so, so before we dive in um, into that business side of the conversation, I'm really intrigued because you're, you know, you've been an entrepreneur and now you're an entrepreneur, and, and having that position or that kind of that mindset, how are you infusing that culture in your team?
1: Yeah, I love that question. So to me, being an entrepreneur as well as an entrepreneur is about being able to cast a vision and also activate that compelling vision for the future. And sometimes you're more in the role of casting the vision, other times you're activating it. Um, When I think of examples of others who've been amazing entrepreneurs, they're always great storytellers. They get people hooked into the story that they're telling about the future. And then folks wanna enroll and join them in the journey of creating that future and making it possible. Um, for our team, where that gets really exciting is that we're an ecosystem business model. So we're not only doing that on the customer side, those that we're selling solutions to, but also on the partner side, where we're trying to bring the best and breed solutions to bear on the problems that we're solving for our customers, and our partners' customers, and create an ecosystem that's powered by many players, not just Lenovo. I love that. I love that. I,
0: I love, you know, the that mindset of we're storytellers that get people hooked into the story of the future. Um, so as I said, we have so much alignment here. Um, so <laughs> you say you imagine a world where the complexity of delivering a personalized in-store experience for customers is reduced um, with your initiatives. How How are you helping enable that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, personalization is not an easy thing, right? And personalization can... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yes, I think we talk
0: about it so much and everybody's still trying to wrap their head around what personalization really means because it doesn't just, it you know, it doesn't just mean bucketing people and, you know, you're, you're this persona, right? It goes much deeper than that.
1: Yeah. And sometimes personalization is about making the jobs of store associates easier through smart solutions behind the scenes that help them spend more time with customers and do that personalization aspect that a human is great at doing. And then at other times, it's through smartly deploying solutions. IoT solutions are obviously what we're bringing to bear, but um, those solutions help to bring that personalization that you would experience through the web, for example, into the store and allow customers to kind of shop at their own pace, Let's say, for example, they want to gather more information about a particular product. Let's enable an in-aisle experience or an in-cap experience where the customer can actually dig deeper and learn more than just what's on the label.
0: Yeah. And and speaking of that, I think that there's, you know, it's interesting how informed people are these days, right? They're walking into environments so much more informed than ever. And we already talked about this pre-COVID, but now because everybody's been kind of forced to use digital so much more. You know, um, they're, they're coming in with, with so much information that is really shifting the, the role and, and the value add a sales associate can provide.
1: Totally agree. Your comment reminds me of when I worked at Lowe's and we would often talk about the different places that the customer journey started and that journey is not just starting when somebody walks through the doors of the store and stores can't assume that, hey, this person's just entering in and they're just starting to consider this purchase for the first time. They might have been researching for a couple weeks or a couple months online prior to coming in store. And then they're looking to fulfill a vision that they've already cast and sort of formed through the online experience, for example.
0: Mm hmm. No, absolutely. I I believe more and more customers are dictating the experiences they want to have, right? And so, how are you helping create a world where shoppers can
1: engage with products at their own pace? I love that. So, for us, we are, I would actually answer that question with a little bit of a, a twist, which is more of our partner ecosystem business model. So, at the end of the day, if we as Lenovo were building our own devices to help, stores become more personalized, there would be maybe a small suite of solutions that we would launch and deliver. But the vision for our team, we've actually just, in the last two weeks, launched a whole new suite of smarter store solutions, but the vision is to keep building that. It's not to just say, hey, we've spent the last couple of years building these solutions. We've actually partnered with businesses that brought those solutions to bear on the market. And then our plan is to bring more and more solutions that offer that personalization that in-store experience etc to customers over time Um, so some of the solutions that we've already launched do things like help customers gather information in the aisle to deepen that in-store shopping experience learn more about products receive at times personalized communications about a particular new thing that the store might be selling, new menu item, et cetera. Uh, but on the flip side, we see that there's an opportunity to do much more than just that. So every time we look forward to launching more and more solutions with our business partners that go even beyond what we've launched so far.
0: No, I love that. I'm always digging in my brain, <laughs> and you know, we do some some customer surveying as well. And you know, you talk about all these opportunities of helping them gather info in the aisle, and you know, I think we've had a lot of conversations this year of you know the adoption of of um, uh, contactless payments and curbside and BOPIS and all these ways that the pa- the consumers a bit more empowered, but always trying to wrap our heads around what exactly does the consumer want in that moment? You know, what are the pain points? What are the points of gratification? How do we really think about this experience more holistically?
1: Totally. And I would say you can't just do that through devices. So sometimes the smart store solutions are actually about making the jobs of store associates easier so they can spend more face time with customers doing that high touch, personalized in-store experience for the customer.
0: No, absolutely. I absolutely believe it's a blend of the two, right? And what's what's great though is on the tech side, I'm sure that you're also capturing so much learnings, right? And then it's how do you how do you blend that quantitative data that you're collecting through the integration of of, of some of the things that you talked about, right? And then the qualitative side. Now that the salespeople have this more um, elevated position because they're more informed or they can better serve, and how you create an
1: environment where you're really always learning. Yes, I love that. And I would say that for us, we we talk a lot within Lenovo at large about enabling our customers' intelligent transformation. And at the end of the day, we're not here just to sell devices. We're here to sell transformation and actually help stores become smarter at the way that they help customers as well as the way that they deploy their talent.
0: No, absolutely. And so, you know, your your group is fairly new, but are there any... You know, best in class examples, anybody that you've seen, you know, in 2020 especially, that's really kind of embraced this and
1: delivered um, some inspiring experiences. I love that. Um, Yeah, I'm thinking of some of the folks that we've actually conducted research with in the last couple months leading up to our retail launch. And I actually get really inspired by a number of the stores that have traditionally been more of the technology laggards. And they've been struggling to figure out what's the future of our store? What can we do to kind of come up with the times and have really just been bold in their transformations during COVID-19 and said, hey, our stores never offered something like a concierge style shopping experience, but we're going to explore that. Or on the flip side, you mentioned curbside delivery. Um, I've seen a number of these legacy retailers embracing that and saying, it's going to be hard for us to pull this off, but we know that we need to start working on it now. So we're going to go ahead and start putting some stakes in the ground so that we can get towards that more aspirational future. Well, as you mentioned
0: legacy, um, one of my questions is what are some of the biggest hurdles companies face when it comes to being adaptive and experimental in your experience?
1: Oh, yeah, there. Are many. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I've worked at a retailer myself. Um, one of the ones that comes to mind immediately is the idea of legacy debt. So a number of stores face challenges because they've been locked into certain technology that maybe in some cases doesn't serve them anymore and the business models that have traditionally been built around servicing in store experience are not flexible and they're not adaptable so stores get stuck with devices and or software that doesn't do the job that it needs to do as that job evolves And so that's part of why for us, we decided to launch with a managed service where you imagine that over time, a retailer can actually swap in and swap out different technology components that are more of the age and of the era that they need to be successful.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's been really exciting to see, you know, for an unfortunate reason, but I think saying we have these hurdles, um, and you know, has, has caused a lot of hesitancy for people to put a lot of this into, into, into action in their stores. And you know, this, they ends up on the four year roadmap. Um, and now it's all happening in 2020 and it's okay that it's imperfect, right? I think consumers are okay with that. Um, but, but there will be this need to start to perfect it over time. And that's why it's so important that we're, you know, the gathering, the learnings too, like it's not enough to say they want to pick up a package. What, what do they want to happen when they pick up that package, for example?
1: Totally. And I would add to what we were already talking about, about the hurdles. Some of it's about changing the mindsets of your employees as a retailer, right? It's, Hey, you're actually not just here to push product onto the shelves. We see you as an important part and in fact, an essential part of delivering the kind of experience that we want for customers. And so how do you kind of empower store staff through solutions that make them feel more human as well? No, exactly,
0: exactly. I think there's a lot of great tools out. Um, we've had some really great guests talking about it, too, so it's to really empower the store associate to be more knowledgeable, to have information at their fingertips, to be able to deliver those personalized experiences. Um, and customers are expecting them to know more now than ever. Because I, I've done my research as a customer, so I'm expecting you to know even more than me, right? So it's a pretty high bar um, that we're yes. expecting. Um, Where, how do you see that you talked about it a little bit, but, um, can we even dive in deeper to how, how you see the ecosystem on the tech side evolving in order to make it advancement more successful? You know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations around it's a little bit fragmented, right? There's the reseller market. There's the IT team versus the marketing team. There's, you know, there's just, it's, it's not as streamlined and plug and play as it could be. So how do you see that coming together?
1: Yeah, I see changes happening on the enterprise side, like our our customer, if you will, as well as the solution provider side of things. So obviously we've already talked about our ecosystem business model for us, that actually allows different technology and software players to play together to build integrated solutions that speak to one another, for example. But on the store side, I, I think we also see roles changing and evolving where the work that might, for example, traditionally have been done by the HR team is now being done by somebody who manages people and oversees more than just the store employees, but also oversees, you know, people transformation as a whole. and The same is happening in the CTOs org, where you see product management roles evolving and shifting and you see folks that maybe traditionally were more order takers for the company at large, actually taking ownership of the vision for where the company needs to go in the future. And so what I would say is I see a lot of retailers themselves becoming technology companies as they step into the future. But that's not the language that they have been used to speaking. So they need to develop that technological fluency to be successful. It's so true. It's so interesting how much convergence is happening. You're seeing, you know,
0: real estate companies become design firms. You're seeing (laughs) retailers become tech companies. But it's true, right? There's there's a deeper fluency that's needed really to make it
1: successful and really understanding um, it from a holistic point of view. Yeah. And on the flip side, we need to develop that fluency with our customer, right? So part of our model as a team is we actually brought in for each industry that we've entered thus far, we brought in industry experts that understood that world because we are traditionally a technology company. We're not traditionally a retail company. So we need that fluency on both sides to be successful. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. Where do you think you're going to see the most innovation? Like, is it in digital signage? Is it in uh, checkout? You know, what, where do you think who's at the
1: forefront? Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> one. Hmm. Where do I see the most innovation? I think I actually see a lot of innovation in the aisle. I see a lot of evolution happening in regards to how customers, um, literally touch the product in store. I think we're going to see a lot of change with these traditional warehouse style shopping environments where customers are going to engage with products in new and different ways. And I know the work you do, Melissa, on the uh, pop-up experiences side of things, I also think we're going to see more of those experiences extend beyond the store.
0: Yes. No, absolutely. We've definitely seen a lot of that, I think, in 2020 with live streaming, right? And with AR and QR codes. I mean, <laughs> QR codes is the <laughs> is like the ugly duckling that's like, it's like the <laughs> darling now, right? Everybody uses it. Um, and I think we've only scratched the surface of the possibilities of how to interact with them.
1: Oh, so true. Well, and that's the thing that's so fun about this work. There was a talk I attended a couple of months ago, and I may butcher his name, but there's a gentleman named Bone and Bow. Oh, yeah. He's a very popular marketer. It sounds like you're familiar. And he said something like, you know, what COVID did for the QR code was something that nobody else could push over the line. And it's this idea that sometimes you have to wait for an innovation to reach its point of maturity. Mm-hmm. And then you actually get to see the power of what was sort of below the surface all along.
0: No, absolutely. I do think that, again, it's, a, it's an unfortunate catalyst, but um, it has unlocked a lot of that, right? I think QR codes is probably the number one of it. Um, but live stream, I mean, live stream is not new either. Right. But if you think about how many brands are utilizing that now, they're utilizing it to extend their reach beyond the brick and mortar store. Right. And showing you what's inside. And, um, I think that there's, yeah, there's so many, and it, and it's, and it's really not just about, does the technology work it's will Consumers use it. Right. And I think the, um, We've talked about this the whole year with necessity driving innovation and adoption, but consumers are more resilient than people think. And so I they have to find a way to interact. They'll try it, you know, they'll try it. And then, you know, um, I think of uh, my mom with um, augmented reality. She never would do it before, but she needed to figure out how to get the grays out of her hair and find the perfect color. So she downloaded her first app and it was easy enough. And by the <laughs> second, you know, by the second order, she found her perfect color. Right. And so it was, it was, it was like frictionless enough, you know, Mm -hmm. that she would try it. So where do you think, I mean, this is the crystal ball question, obviously, so no pressure. Um, but where do you think this is all going to normalize? Right. We've seen people kind of, uh, trying anything and, you know, really shifting towards online or shifting towards utilizing all these tools, but we all know that they definitely, is evidence that people miss brick and mortar people miss actually going to a store. You, you see that whenever like uh, I walk down the street and I see outdoor dining, every seat is full, right? People still want that human side. So where do we think the world of retail is going to normalize?
1: Yeah, I see it as a both. And for sure, I don't see it as a digital or physical. I see it as a merge of worlds. Um, I see the future of the store being highly intelligent as well as highly adaptive. So, three things that I think of when I think of the two to five year vision for where we might be are that shopping experiences are going to be more modular. I think we're going to see more kitted parts and pieces that allow businesses to go fast and to be adaptive. I also think that we will see stores going beyond the four walls. And this idea of empowering and enabling the physical store to have more ability to move into, let's say the neighborhood surrounding the store and be a part of that neighborhood. And that's a lot of the work that I actually did a number of years ago at Lowe's was getting into physical neighborhoods and building in-neighborhood shopping experiences. And then thirdly, I would say, I think we're going to see more around this concierge style customer service that I think increasingly will be powered in the back end by these devices that we may or may not as consumers see when we go shopping. But imagine that I'm a store associate, I'm helping you and I'm kind of getting fed information. similar to the headsets we see today that's like, hey, by the way, we have these new products that this customer would love. And in fact, she was in last week and she was asking me about blah, blah, blah. We're gonna have that ability using technology in the back end to deliver a better, more tailored experience on the front end.
0: Absolutely. That's why I feel like it's that perfect we have to find that perfect match of of being data driven, but also weave in that human side of it. Um, and it's gonna be interesting to see, I think. It's going to be, um, it's going to be, you know, the onus of the brands and retailers to really understand. And I think there's going to be a learning curve, but some, some are obvious, right? There's, I need a toilet paper refill or I need whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the click of a button's enough. (laughs) You don't Mm -hmm. really, well... It's funny in 2020, I think there was like such gratification when he found toilet paper cause you couldn't, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might change. In the next step. <laughs> I never
0: saw people get so excited, but, um, but really there's going to be this blend of really understanding, like when we think of the, the footprint of a physical environment, like how do we really curate what needs to take up the floor space? Right. And it's not about capacity for square foot. And it's really about curation and experience and then understanding where you're customer is, is more comfortable around the efficiencies of this is just something I need to just buy with the click of a button. And then these are the products that I need to have a moment of discovery and touch and feel and learn and right. So it's gonna be interesting how the store is positioned um, after probably 18 months of this.
1: Yeah, agreed. And at the end of the day, the stores need that data on the how people are shopping and using their shopping environments in new ways to drive that transformation on their side
0: hmm. No, absolutely. A lot to still be discovered for sure. But you guys are sitting in an interesting place with your team, I think, I'm really at the heart of, of kind of analyzing this and helping your clients figure out what's possible.
1: Yeah, and we love learning. I mean, it's great to connect with you. It's great to connect with our business partners. And I would uh, give a quick plug for our business partner program. If anybody's listening and they're interested in partnering with Lenovo, we'd love to hear from you.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um on the Lenovo site, I guess I would I would Google Lenovo commercial internet of things cuz if they go to the Lenovo website, yep. they'll see the B2C side, so we don't want anybody to get confused. Um but uh before I appreciate Yeah, but before we let you go as well on the on the on the more personal side of things, um you're you're in the North Carolina area. Um, And in 2020, it's been very limited travel and and it might stay that way for the first half of 2021, but it will open up again. So I've asked all of our guests this year as I build my travel itinerary, um, what are the three must-do things,
1: um, must-see things in the Raleigh area? Yeah, it's hard to limit to three, but I will try. (laughs) Um, One is actually a restaurant that my husband and I have come to love over the last two years and really have come to love more during uh, the pandemic. Um, it's called Hummingbird and the owner of the restaurant, it's kind of in, I won't won't say the heart of Raleigh, it's just outside the heart of downtown Raleigh. And it, the owner kind of infuses New Orleans cuisine into more of a Southern style cuisine. And it's just a great experience every time we go and the menu is always changing. So that's one. I'm also biased. Uh, my husband and I got married at the North Carolina Museum of Art. I think that's a really fun place to go here in Raleigh. And there's indoor as well as outdoor experiences, especially right now they're amping up the outdoor side of things with uh, limited ability to go into the museum. And then I think otherwise, and I know you guys have these um, in your neck of the woods as well, Melissa, but we have several new food halls. There's one in Raleigh that I love called Transfer Co. And it's kind of this, like, it feels like the beating heart of food entrepreneurship in our city. So I love oh, I going love and seeing, you know, new stuff that's recently opened, or, you know, there are a few restaurants where it's a mashup of multiple businesses that have said, like, we've had our own standalone thing, but we want to collaborate. Like there's a coffee shop that collaborated with a, a bakery, and they created a concept that is, um, I'm trying to remember the name. It's called Bench Warmer's Bagels. So they brought the best of the coffee world, and then they also brought the best of the baking world and said, we can do really great bagels, and we can do really great coffee to go with those bagels.
0: Yum. Well, I'm going to go to all of those, but I might <laughs> go to that place first. I love a good food hall. Um, I miss that. I know, I, but, you know, I think... I get overstimulated at them and yeah, <laughs> I end up not insane. knowing what to get. But um, but I'll start at the bagels. Um, but that's always a win. Well, thank you so much for being with us. This was a great conversation. Um, I think there's so much to explore and we could probably go on and on. Um, but thank you so much for being on with us today. Mm-hmm. Everyone, again. Yeah, everyone, again. This is Rebecca Horton um, from Lenovo's commercial Internet of Things business, a new venture within Lenovo. So thanks so much for. Being on with us and telling us more about your initiatives, your learnings, and where you think the future lies.
1: You're welcome. It was a pleasure and um, really excited to keep the conversation going. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you.